Come in and rest your weary bones, and welcome again to the Gallery of Curiosities. I remain, as always, your humble host, Osgood. This evening's exhibit takes us all the way back to the roaring 1920s and comes to us from the premier dome of the British bizarro scene, Ms. Madeline Swan. Ms. Swan's first novella was part of Eraserhead Press's new Bizarro author series. Her second novella was released by Strange House Books, and her latest story collection, Fortune Box, is out now from Eraserhead Press. More of her delightful short stories can be found on the Wicked Library podcast and the anthology the New Flesh, a tribute to David Cronenberg from Weird Punk Books. It will be read for us this evening by Ms. Sarah Golding. All She Needs by Madeline Swan Narrated by Sarah Golding The house might be old and rickety, and I can't clean properly because of my arthritis, but it's better this way. After a few gins, young Miss wails like a spirit in chains, complaining that the place smells of fungus. <laughs> but she doesn't know what she's about at those moments. No, no, it's not the walls that smell of fungus. Most of the time, no, we're happy. She was a little in when I first knew about the things, in 1912 or 1911. Out in the ground she was, on that misty morning, underneath the heron topiary with Master Ben. He was the son of Madam's bridge partner, and a proper handful if he didn't get his way. I'd watched him play cup and ball from the window where I was changing the beds, then... Young Miss held her hand up to Master, and his face went all queer-like. He stared at it, then yanked it towards his mouth. Of course, I, I rushed down the back stairs and charged outside, and he, he was suckling like a babe on her wrist, and they both jumped apart when they saw me. What are you hiding? I said, grabbing her hand. There was an odd little lump on her skin, red and raw like a, a pustule. Oh, you're a dirty boy, I said to Master, and they both wailed like the clappers. I carried her in, leaving him behind and set to wrapping a bandage. Well, blow me if it hadn't completely disappeared. <laughs> By this point, the Master's mother heard his weeping and they left in a hurry. Madam following them to the motor car apologising and, and making arrangements for this and that, but we both knew they'd never come back. Afterwards, she was even colder to miss, if that were possible. I took the little mite's mind off it, though. She followed me around, sweet as anything, 
sometimes even helping me with the dusting and sweeping. <laughs> Only when Madam wasn't round, of course. The rest of the time she'd play tiddlywinks or just look up at me with those big blue eyes as if to tell me she wished I was her mother. After the war, Madam and Sir were married again and I finally became head housekeeper. When Miss was 17, she went to stay in London with relatives. I was heartbroken, though it wouldn't do to show it, hugging her when she kissed my cheek. I wrote a few times, but got nothing back. I didn't take it personal that aunt and uncle of hers were forever rushing her about, and, well, I was busy enough keeping the scullery made from natter in. <laughs> Two and a half years later... Whispers went round the staff that she was coming back. The maids had plenty of ideas why, but soon learned to keep quiet when I was around. Her aunt and uncle ran off as soon as dropping her at the door, and no wonder if they allowed her to go about how she was, her face caked with makeup and lashes, big, spidery things. The colour was upturned on her black mink coat and her hair. <laughs> My goodness! I mean, there is nothing left, just a, a short blonde hat. She seemed to have grown a foot taller and a darn sight skinnier. Sir and Madam's faces were dark as chimney sweeps. The maid took her suitcase and she smiled when she saw me. You look like one of them moving picture stars, I said. And she did. They were so different to my day, when we argued over whose turn it was to look through the peephole machine on Brighton Pier to see a, a flickering lady dance. <laughs> oh, thank you, she said. It's terribly chic, isn't it? Look here. She leaned in. Couldn't spare a ciggy, could you? I'm simply... Gasping. That's quite enough of that. Her father handed her coat to the maid and ushered her up the grand stairs. It won't do. And Mrs. Black dress was something I'd wear in bed instead of in public. <laughs> that evening, I waited until Madam and Sir were safely in the drawing room before sneaking up to her. Oh, heavens, she exclaimed too loudly. You really are a brick, Gladys. She lit up with an exaggerated sigh, posing against the wall like some starlet. They have such parties in London, <laughs> she giggled. Mavis flashed a police officer and spent the night in a cell. It was rather hilarious. <laughs> she laughed as if she could convince me it were anything other than scandalous. Sounds like you had a lovely time. I straightened the straps of her flimsy outfit but it's nice to be home isn't it she rolled her eyes they don't want me here she jabbed a finger I'd never seen her look so ugly I'll be damned if I have to listen to mummy and daddy tell me I've ruined myself again I, I can't wait to get back to London Harold and the others will be missing me awfully well I patted her head it'll all come out in the wash when I shut the door behind me, I heard sobbing. Oh, she just needs a good night's sleep, I told myself, and went back to my quarters. 
The next morning, she was sprawled over the landing, that skinny body of hers spilling from her peach dressing gown. Her knuckles were white as she gripped the telephone earpiece and the wire had upturned the little table. Beside her was a small empty bottle of gin. Little so-and-so must have snuck it in. She was sobbing like she'd vomit her gizzards. Albert, she said, I need you. I'm, I'm going off my head. I'm so frightfully alone. Where's Harold? I tidied up best I could, shushing her and carrying her back to her room. I was talking, she slurred, breathing fumes you could set a match to. It was important. Not as important as hiding you from your poor parents, I said, tucking her into bed. I hid the soda siphon in the cupboard and the bottle in my apron, leaving her snoring. I told Madame and Sir she'd caught a fever and they thought no more of it. That night, a young man in spats and a dinner jacket arrived at the door looking less than happy. Um, I've come to see Emily. Sir heard his voice and came charging from the smoking room, still in his jacket. Now look here! What do you want with my daughter? I say. The young man took a step back. Steady on. She rang me this morning. I, I'm nothing but a friend, old chap. Well, don't you old chap me, said Sir. But I could tell he was relenting. She's been frightfully poorly. Perhaps a, a visit would do her good. Gladys... Could you escort this gentleman to Emily and stay in case they need anything? Very good, sir. I curtsied. The staff should have known not to ask what happened in the room afterwards, but by golly, they still tried. Oh, Albert! <laughs> Miss leapt from her bed and wound up the gramophone to play that racket youngsters listened to. You came! Oh, now we can have a party. Oh, Gladys, you'll join us, won't you? She flung her limbs and laughed like a mad thing. <laughs> Albert looked about the room as if he'd lost something. Um, Emily, dear, I was rather under the impression that this was an emergency. Oh, don't be a bore. Honestly. The young man looked down at his feet as if he couldn't bear to see her. His jaw wiggled as he ground his teeth. I love you, dearly, Emily, but you're an absolute cope. It's dreadfully tiresome, I tell you. I, I was about to visit my father this evening. I, I've not seen the old man for weeks. I'm sorry, Mrs. Shoulders slumped. Harold doesn't wish to see me any more, does he? Albert rubbed his temples. I'm sorry, old Bean. I, I know things have been difficult since the others couldn't see you any more. I... I want to help, but it's too much. He turned to leave, and the effect on Miss was like earth crumbling beneath a flower. She fell to her knees. Why? Why don't they like me any more? How, how can they be so beastly? Albert sighed heavily. Oh, hell, you know why. You frightened them. They, they frightened themselves. I, I only wished for them to like me. This was really sobbing now. It just happens. 
I wanted Albert to leave so he'd stop hurting her with nasty words. I took the situation into my own hands, hurrying to her side and rubbing her shoulder. There, there, I said, turning my back against him. She peeked over my shoulder and called his name, but I heard the door shut. She was safe now. So the next few weeks were wonderful. She followed me about like a sweet little toddler, knitting a, a mauve scarf and smiling when I breathed through. Even Jonathan, the new young gardener, commented and he never noticed anything important. Spring had arrived and I saw to it that the ash in the hearth was replaced with vases of fresh-smelling flowers. Miss would sigh and stare out the window, but I knew she was pining for something that could never be. One morning, in mid-May though, it all changed again. She'd gone to the shops alone, taking only the driver and promising to return before Sir and Madam found out. In she came, full of smiles like the first day back from London, covered once more in her clown's costume. She embraced me and I caught a whiff of something musty, moulding. I hoped it was just a poor choice of perfume. I've made a wonderful new friend, she said, launching herself into the armchair. We got on so famously. It was as if we met years ago. Is that so? I kept my voice even. How lovely. Oh, yes, she gushed. She's the daughter of that American family who moved into the big house across the green. She has the most marvellous thick, dark hair, quite unlike mine, but, but she reminded me of myself in a fashion. See, we both find this place so very tedious. It would be criminal not to invite her for tea, don't you think? Well, I... I shall mention it to Papa. And she was gone before I could count my thoughts. The next week, there she was on our doorstep. Everything I expected her to be. Now, I don't care how much new money her family have. Americans are uncouth and uncivilised. She had on one of those ridiculous flower pot hats that were the fashion and a, a long fur scarf. Her respectable tea gown underneath didn't fool me, no. Gosh, she squealed when Miss appeared at the top of the stairs. Don't you look like the cat's meow. Indeed she did, in her lilac dress, but I didn't see that it was any of that little tramp's business. Oh, do go on. Miss laughed, and the pair disappeared upstairs. I could hear everything that was said through the door, though, the little minxes. Oh, I'd sure like to spend a night on the town with him. He is simply divine. <laughs> then they flounced out, brazen as could be, and disappeared into the night to do goodness knows what. I'd hoped it was the last I'd see of the American that Sir and Madam would disapprove as heartily as I, but they not only put up with this interloper, they actively encouraged it. Well, it's nice to see her so jolly, said Sir. Madam did the polite thing and agreed with her husband. Miss herself was acting like a, a woman smitten. She's the bee's knees, she gushed. They said they went to the pictures, but 
I knew they were drinking and meeting undesirables. They were never anything but sweet when they came back, so Sir and Madam never suspected a thing. Oh, oh, how it hurt me to curtsy to this urchin and ask if she needed refreshments. Golly, she would say in her grating accent, I'm just fine. Miss would laugh and shut the door against me as if she were ashamed to show how much I meant to her. I told myself it was natural she should show off that she would be back soon. But it all came to a head sooner than expected. Sir and Madam were spending a night at the Purnells out in the fens, leaving Miss at home with her new friend. You know, they should have known better, for no sooner than they were in the motor car than that American was on the telephone to all and sundry. Miss, I said as sternly as I could, is this wise? I say, she raised an eyebrow, one ought to know better than to boss the lady of the house, wouldn't you agree? You're a card, said that girl. I could have slapped her. But instead, I made myself busy in the room, watching them make calls, promising a, a night of music and booze, as they called it, and heaven knows what else. Oh, it'll be darling, you must come, purred Miss. Once all had been summoned, they squealed like a pair of pigs. Boy, I wish I could be all slinky class like you, pouted the American. Nonsense, darling. Miss searched her wardrobe and pulled out a black number I would expect her to wear down the docks waiting for sailors. Why don't you try this? She turned to me as I pretended to dust the bookcase. Gladys, I dare say your duties are, are finished for the evening. Hmm? One mustn't be a, a nuisance. I left, clutching my feather duster like a weapon. Oh... They would find out what a nuisance one can be. From my room, I heard footsteps after footsteps, thuds and shrieks of laughter, cheers as each new person entered and all the while that gramophone cranking away. Every now and then it wound down to shouts of merry disappointment, but always it found its way on again. The maids and manservants muttered savagely from their rooms, but but I just smiled. It wouldn't be long now. After a few hours of that interminable racket, something changed. Softer music leaked through the ceiling and the conversation quietened. I snuck out, still in my nightdress. All the lights outside the servants' quarters were on and I went up the grand stairs, unsure if I wanted to see what was up there. I stood on the landing and listened. Lyrics poured under the door. Birds do it, bees do it, even educated fleas do it. But beneath that were slurps and squishes, mumbles and moans. They couldn't be. Right, stand aside, boomed the voice of Sir beside me, and Madam was right behind him. Oh, why hadn't they arrived sooner? I didn't even hear him come in. He pushed the door open. 
Oh, silly lamb hadn't even locked it and, and charged in. What? What the devil? He staggered back. There, on the floor, were three strange young men and two women in various states of undress. That American floozy was completely stark as and all leaned over Mrs. Prone, naked body. It wasn't quite the sight we had all expected to see, though, and I I couldn't hear Sir and Madam's reaction on account of the, the creeping horrors pinching my skin. The guests sucked at protrusions sprouting from her flesh. Big, dark, wet-looking mushrooms. I, I couldn't describe them as anything else. One of the men, he, he looked up, but it was as if he, he couldn't see... Yellow pus dribbled from his lips onto his chin, which he wiped with a finger and licked, as though we couldn't bear to waste a bit of it. It was all I could do not to vomit. Miss was in plain ecstasy, moaning and groaning like a whore, her body bending this way and that, and all the while the gramophone proposing... Let's do it. Let's fall in love. Miss saw us and squealed like a puppy in a cold room. She hopped onto her feet, the horrible things dangling like teats. Wrapping the dressing gown around her didn't help. You could see them poking through. Her friends mewled and, and reached for them like babes in arms until, well, until they slowly came to... The look of horror on their faces surely matched mine. Beside me, I heard an odd choking sound and a screech from Madam. At first I was angry at such a racket, but when I saw Sir collapse onto the floor and grab his right arm, I, well, I knew there was trouble. I woke the servants and called the ambulance, making sure Sir was laid on the bed. Mrs. Friends slunk out like the filthy little things they were, and I, I slammed the door behind that American strumpet once and for all. Nearly once and for all. The ambulance snatched him away, Madam and Miss going with them. I had to relay the story several times to the others, leaving out, of course, the scene in the room. Mabel the cook glared at me as if this was my fault, the cheeky mare. I had to call Mrs. Aunt and Uncle. It's what any decent person would have done. Sir didn't survive the night. And Madame left the country after the funeral for her health. At night, as I headed for bed, I heard Miss making desperate calls, no doubt to those heathens. So I either ended up with her begging and weeping, cradling the earpiece after they'd hung up, or in an argument with the switchboard girls. No, oh dear. She would fume. You don't have to explain the rules to me again. Just simply try the number one last time. There's been a mistake. Then the American turned up one afternoon, bold as a brass statue on the doorstep. She was dressed in a long coat and skirt, a neatly wrapped present in her hands. She had at least the decency to look ashamed when she handed it to me. Gee, ah, uh, could you tell Emily I'm awful sorry about her father? Last time she called I was a little sharp, and I, 
And so she struggled for words, so I helped her. Miss is very embarrassed about what happened and would prefer it if she was left alone. The girl's eyes widened in surprise. It felt wonderful. Well, could you tell her I'll call? It's not advised. She has no wish to see you further. Any of you? Oh. Her expression hardened and the real face came through. Sure, I catch on. Don't you worry. She stormed back to her vagabond house and I could have danced a jig. <laughs> Miss appeared at the top of the stairs as I closed the door. Who was that, Gladys? Oh, nothing for you to worry about, Miss, I said brusquely. But, but who is that present from? Oh, one of the neighbours dropped by, left it for Madam. I, well, I said I didn't know when she'd return, but she insisted, so... Right. Miss looked forlorn, and I wanted to tell her, but, well, I knew it was better in the long run. A clean break was what she needed, and her father's money would see her well for the rest of her life. She had no need of that nasty place out there that made her act so uncouth and caused her such pain. She gave up trying to contact the outside world and one bright afternoon we received news of Madame's death. A silly motorcar accident in Monte Carlo. Heaven knows who she was with or, or why they were driving so fast but, um, well, it strengthened my resolve that Miss should be kept safe. One by one, the other servants left, and well, soon it was quiet bliss. Each morning, I bring Miss a cocktail, else she throws a terrible fit. Her little problems run away with itself, and, well, now she couldn't leave the house if she wanted to. I suppose the anguish must have curdled the milk inside them, as she's become quite unwell. Her limbs have atrophied and mushrooms have sprouted all over her body, forming a sticky crust if she stays still too long. When she wakes, oh, it's a terrible struggle to prise her out of bed, but we manage. We laugh together and play backgammon or project moving pictures in a dark room where she can forget her looks for an hour or two. I am in charge of her alcohol intake to stop her getting silly and, well, I make sure she has at least a, a little solid food. At night, she does become troublesome, though. Weeping and wailing and, well, sometimes smashing things, but by the morning... She's my miss again. My little miss. And I am all she needs. Oh, that was absolutely enchanting. I'll leave it to you to decide who the villain in that one was. And, Miss Swan, if you ever find yourself in the Baltimore area, do stop by the gallery. 
I would be delighted to have you over for tea, and perhaps we might even go on a vintage wardrobing expedition together. I know where all the best shops are. But for now, the hour is late. It would be best if you were on your way, but do come visit us next time at the Gallery of Curiosity. Gallery of Curiosities is produced under a Creative Commons International 4.0 non-commercial attribution no derivatives license. Story copyrights remain with the authors. Our theme song is Ashes Ashes by Deus Ex Vaporum Machina. This episode was produced in October of 2019. For full show notes, do visit us on the web at gallerycurious.com. What? Another with no Easter egg? How absolutely scandalous.